Sunira Chowdhury is back with us. She is our lawyer friend from Workley Law, last joining us on her vacation on the West Coast. We roasted her out of bed at a terribly uncivilized hour during a wonderful visit to San Francisco in order to uh, to get her opinion on the issue of the day. And Sunira, we are still very grateful for that interruption that you so graciously allowed during your vacation. Good morning and welcome back. Good morning, Sterling. You know, I'd only get up for you. (laughs) It's only because you called. All right. Well, I appreciate that part. Now, you've written about Hockey Canada. I was hoping you might get around to it because pretty much everyone else has. And thank you for joining us on this. Let me just throw this quote onto the airwaves before we get started. Quote, the settlement of many assault cases by Hockey Canada over the last three decades only suggests that other cases exist but remain unresolved. How Hockey Canada... Canada handles any outstanding claims is critical to how it shapes its future. This under the headline, Is Hockey Canada Skating Over Its Culture Problem? And the author of said piece, Sunira Chowdhury, is here to talk more about it. I'm glad you finally got around to writing about this. Uh, the, the, The subheader on this is, the organization has a systemic problem that it has used money and secrecy to sweep under the rug. You talk about culture. They've had a resignation of the top, very tone-deaf board members and interim chair in the last couple of weeks, Sanira. Is that enough, or is that cosmetic? I'm concerned that it is cosmetic, Sterling, that it is window dressing. I do address that in the column because I think uh, most of us can assume that the CEO and the board of directors, and frankly a board, is, is not meant to really weigh in on the day-to-day operations of an organization of any kind, sure. right? A, a board, a board is meant to keep a CEO accountable, and for the CEO to have uh, a set of folks to report to with respect to results, and it often will not trickle down to what's happening uh, on the rink. It's not um, relating to the, the the actual experiences of players, of parents, and the oversight of coaches. And we know that that is the real nub of the issue here. And just because we're hearing about the absolute, you know, sort of overhaul of, of leadership, what does that really translate to in terms of the problems we're seeing at Hockey Canada between players, coaches, misconduct allegations that have really nothing to do with the higher ranks? So, Seeing that sweeping change, I mean, I think that's a great PR move. Right. But are we effectively going to see a, a change within the organization and the culture itself? That is a huge question that remains to be answered. Yeah, it really is a huge question, too, because you're right. It's, the, the, the change at the top, scenario was imperative, of course. And frankly, uh, I'm sure you were uh, uh, as astonished as millions of other Canadians that it took so blinking long for them to even come to that conclusion. But they finally did. So it was, it was with that sort of reluctance that they approached even changing the look of the board, uh, one sense is a sort of built-in reluctance to deal with the nuts and bolts of what's really going on. And you're right, no board of directors supervises the day-to-day minutiae of any organization. Yeah, and I, I think what we're seeing so far well, we know that Hockey Canada is saying that they're doing it. Well, we're, we're implementing changes to our bylaws. Again, I'm sorry, who cares? Who cares that the board governance you know, committee or the governance of the board itself is, is being overhauled? Again, that's not addressing uh, 
this very, very tricky and icky issue of sexual assault within the organization. It's a hot potato issue. Nobody really wants to get into the unsavory details of what the organization is actually dealing with here. Have we heard, you know, even one one direct acknowledgement that this is a problem? And have we heard one potential solution? We haven't. The process is not there. It has to have something to do with coach oversight as a as a first first primary instance, but we haven't even heard that uh, being acknowledged that there is a systemic problem within the organization down, I think, frankly, between the power imbalance that, that exists. We know this exists. I mean, it's from the beginning of time between coach and player. Yeah. And whether or not that's going to be tackled, addressed, oversight being implemented, I mean, to what extent are, are coaches um, given performance reviews, does it happen quarterly? Is there is there something you know that is going to hold coaches and their misconduct to account? These are the questions that all parents should be asking. These are the questions that all players should be asking. Right. Uh, we've also had, of course, the federal government and the sports minister, Pascal Saint-Ange, uh, ring in on this quite vehemently. And, of course, there's been a parliamentary committee of inquiry as well, quite uh, quite searing with some of their questions. Uh, so what has that government intervention done to this whole file in the past few weeks? I think all that it's done is it's, it's shed the. It's continued to shed a light, of course. I, I mean, on the tarnished reputation of of Hockey Canada. I think what we know, um, and we can only expect, Sterling, is that the story isn't over. Yeah. Um, and I and I allude to it uh, in my column. I don't have any other information uh, than anyone else has. But if we know how Hockey Canada has um, engaged in sweeping some of these allegations under the rug with large payouts, who's to say that the, that that has stopped? We, again, don't know how they're dealing with current cases to the extent that they exist. I'm not saying we know that they do, but how is that culture going to change? I mean, the, the issue, I mean, speaking as a litigator, the issue is many cases never want to see the light of day. That is, that's not going to change because organizations sometimes do have to deal with unsavory details, sensitive allegations that, and, and, uh, and often both parties don't want it to see the light of day. So there are nuances to this that I, I don't want to sort of, um, you know, skate over here, but, right. at the, but at the end of the day, if the organization has uh, this problem, I doubt that it's not a problem that isn't ongoing. And I think what we might see from the government angle is how any ongoing or future cases of sexual harassment, sexual assault within the organization has to be dealt with, whether there's a criminal process that has to be followed, a civil process that has to be followed, but there has to be some kind of of methodology that the organization should be required to follow if this happens in the future. And, and with an organization like this, it probably will happen, unfortunately. Well, they've got Supreme Court Justice Thomas Cromwell of, of doing a governance review that doubtless will come up with all sorts of recommendations. But before that all comes down, you've actually uh, submitted a few uh, recommendations of your own in your recent column in Post Media Papers across the country. You talk about creating a forum for victim support. I suppose, Sanira, 
if there's anything interesting about that observation, it's the fact that there isn't one so far, given the volume that we now understand to be at play. Yeah, I, I think the fact that the organization hasn't recognized that there are victims, that there are a lot of resources that could be made available, including access to benefits like counseling, like mental health resources that uh, that have to that have to be in play, because we have, of course, players here that continue to be involved with the organization that don't have access to those resources. Um, I think parents need access to resources. That employees need access to resources. So that's something that sh- certainly should be introduced because there has to be a rehabilitation here. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, this is an organization that is is really hurting, and if we don't talk about what that rehabilitation is going to look like. Um, that's problematic. Yeah, and you, one of your rec- recommendations uh, is provide safe communication tools to report abuse. I mean, the the even the awkwardness of, of coming forward with some horrible situation that's occurred. I mean, if you're talking about a young person, uh, they aren't particularly skilled with those communications uh, uh, abilities. So if you give them ways and means to express themselves and to bring the case forward, um, that's important too. Almost out of time, want to canvas your your one of one of the recommendations you talk about a diverse board with an equal number of women on it for the National Hockey Canada what difference would that make I think the, I think the difference that it's going to make is that we need diverse opinions on the board that if you want a change change up leadership and right now there's only one female director that's on the board who's of course now stepping down as part of the the entire board that's effectively stepped down right and if you want to recreate this board i think when we're dealing with particularly issues of sexual harassment sexual assault you need a balanced perspective on how to address those issues especially when silence has been the response Mm -hmm. to date this isn't an issue that is traditionally tackled um, uh, by men. Let's call it what it is. This is not an issue that there's, there may be a lot of expertise there, but I think if you actually create some gender parity on the board, you're going to have better ideas, better responses, better ways of trying to communicate and provide those resources. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if Judge Cromwell came down with recommendations that very, very, sim- very similar to yours. And, of course, there will be even more. Sanira, wonderful to have you back on the show. Friends, the column is, is Hockey Canada skating over its culture problem? I saw it in the Vancouver province a couple of days ago. Google it. It's worth it. It's a good read. Sanira Chowdhury from Workly Law. Uh, joining us again this morning. Thanks ever so much. Look forward to our next chat already. Have a good morning, Sterling. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.